Welcome to the first of our podcast series, Immigration Detention, The Hidden Costs, brought to you by the Unchained Collective, where we will be hearing conversations between those who have spent time indefinitely detained on administrative grounds in British immigration detention centres. The aim is to raise critical awareness through the powerful voice of experience of the destructive impact of immigration detention on many levels, on individuals, families, communities and society at large. Discussions encompass the ongoing harms of being dehumanised and criminalised, the stigma and rejection individuals face upon release into the community, as well as the economic impacts of this system on individuals and society as a whole. However, these conversations importantly also demonstrate the strength and powerful resistance of those targeted by this system. A crucial question is raised. Why is this system that destroys lives, wastes public funds and fosters division in our society allowed to continue? Can we envision alternative ways of being together in our shared vulnerability? Can we build a society where everyone has the right to breathe? Ultimately, these powerful accounts serve as a collective call to action. When future books chronicle the history of systematic incarceration and torture, sometimes resulting in death, of predominantly non-white individuals for crossing borders, what role would you like to have played in that history? This is a question this podcast series compels you to ask yourself. these women and all these people that they have passed through a lot of trauma before even coming to UK so uh, kind of uh, detaining them is kind of really traumatizing them again they would be walking up and down the corridors in the night you hear their boots you know thumping on the floor you couldn't sleep because they would be taking people to deport them in the night. The whole idea of a detention system. But they didn't tell me why I was detained. It's based on past experience of colonialism. I still now don't know why they detained me. The detention made us to be alienated from each other. Nobody wanted anything to do with me because they felt I might have committed a crime. I'm being labeled as a criminal, so I don't have any freedom. The wastage of money involved in running this whole institution. And you just feel losing my identity, having to get adjusted to, you know, being called out through a number. I feel like, I mean, just a number. You are unwanted. You feel like you are really not like a human being. Everybody, men and women, to be behind bars is an economic waste, is a human waste. We need to counterbalance the negative rhetorics that are coming out there that immigrants are nothing but a burden to society. And this hatred to hate other people who are not English. Knowledge, they say, is power. Ignorance is a very big disease. They want to silence us. It takes courage for us to be here. I refuse to let their system break me. I don't want to be a victim. Rather, I want to be a victim.
Welcome to this podcast series, The Hidden Cost of Immigration Detention, brought to you by the Unchained Collective. In this episode, Wally shares the challenges of trying to fight for your case while being in the restricted prison-like environment of detention, where the Home Office disbelieve you, and yet you can't access the proofs. He not only lost a lot of weight and his mental health, but also lost trust in government that is supposed to protect vulnerable people. He also shares his thoughts on the importance of fighting for an effective humane community-based alternative. So my name is Wale, uh, I'm, I'm from Nigeria and I've been in the UK for a while now. I'm currently studying international relations at the University of Westminster and um, yeah, I think that's a bit about me. Oh, that's good to hear. After detention, how did you find yourself in the, in the community? It was, it was difficult, it was difficult because being in detention for three months and struggling mentally, you know, physically. I struggled um, more about, you know, regarding food because I wasn't eating. I was eating popcorn for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It was, it was hard. But um, when I got out, having to sort of start again, you know, um, in terms of how, how I communicate with people and stuff, because mm. I, I sort of um, lost that when I was in there. I didn't know how to talk to people. You know, I find it very odd. I'd rather keep quiet. You know, I would just stay in the house, nothing, do nothing, and I didn't want to go out. So it was a bit challenging for me, you know, um, acclimatising with the committee and just being social, interacting with people as a normal human being would do. And then I started looking for other ways to, to deal with my um, mental health because I was, I was a bit depressed then. I was very bubbly kind of person before detention and then I became very, I just kept myself pretty much after detention and my families were worried about me, you know, about my well-being. Yeah, having to start all over, building myself and recovering and, you know, while while I wait my, my uh, decision for my case. So uh, I struggled with that but mm. um, and then I started seeking help. I know you mentioned about um, the mental health. So uh, when you were outside, did you get any help about your mental health? Um, I mean, the only thing they could do is just give you meds. I didn't want to be on meds. It works for some people, but it doesn't work for a lot of people. So um, that was the only support I got. And I just had to look for a way to wean myself off medication and do something that that is more natural. I started picking up sports, you know, I started, I started playing football and stuff. So I'm forced now to now speak to people doing that because mm. um, obviously sport involves other people. I was forced to now start sort of learning how to interact with people um, and... And that sort of helped my recovery as well. 
because it helped me discover myself, get to know myself back and my physical and, well, and mental well-being started improving and things like that. While I was in there, um, not being used to different restrictions and stuff, and the way the buildings are, is like prison. I mean, the, where I was in Amansworth, it was it used to be a prison. So the whole environment there, the setting, the fact that I have, to have only one hour access to internet, in order for for me to um, fight my case with the home office, I needed internet access to internet to talk to people on Facebook that I couldn't reach otherwise, and and things like that. I couldn't get that, so that really affected my case. So at first it got denied because of that. Um, so that sort of made me feel like you know like a prison or something, and um, I couldn't understand why um, I was being in prison for during my course of being there, during one of the conversations I had with my lawyer, then my lawyer was like, look, home office know everything you're saying. They know is, you know, they are aware of it, but they would not help you fight your case. If you say this and then don't expect them to confirm it, they would want to question you. They want to antagonize or, um, or not believe you, even though they know it's true. So um, that sort of made me then start thinking of what's the point then of being here? I don't have access to internet. I can't give you document that you're asking for. Mm. But um, and at the same time, you're saying I can't go out. And then you know when I had a bill, bill hearing and things like that, the um, they wouldn't they, they wouldn't release me, um, even though I had a place to go. The reason they didn't grant me my bail was because they said oh, they, they were not sure if I was going to um, report or something. Even though that was what I eventually did, you know, when I came out. But um, the the way the home office is set up is to not listen to a case-by-case basis. They thought probably I would just decide, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will draw my case and go back to Nigeria or, things, or something like that. But um, when, we, when we go to the court, you know, the court thought otherwise. So... Throughout that experience, it sort of just changed your perspective on on how, you know, people that are in power are supposed to um, look out for vulnerable people and things, people that have have experienced some kind of torture in the past, in their past life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were supposed to look out for that and support them and protect them from it, but they they don't, sadly. And I wasn't eating, so, like, you know, I, I was very skinny. You think I'm skinny and I was skinny then. So, yeah, I think the whole experience of it sort of just made my mental just deteriorate a lot. And um, and I wasn't myself until a while after I got out of there. Okay. Then I just started living my life. Okay, in conclusion, um, what can you say about this current government to change uh, the system or to make it better? What do you want? Which things do you want to be changed? Uh, I think I think I mean COVID has shown us that there's no need to lock people up because of their immigration status or their immigration challenges. There's no reason for that. There were a lot of people that were out that was out of detention during COVID, and um, and the number of peak of of decisions that go the the um, the claimant's way. Um, outweighs how many people that actually got deported 
so just a, a minute number of us actually got deported. So it's it doesn't it doesn't actually work because people that go into detention come at worst to themselves and to the society and then they have to sort of start from the beginning to get their lives together and then put stress on the on the facilities you know that 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 are meant for other people in the community and stuff. So I think detention has has proven not to work. It's ineffective and and people can actually keep their case going outside within the community is cost effective that way people don't have to go through the stress of being of being imprisoned and then the government don't have to spend a lot of money keeping those places running so um so i think there has to be another option to detention and i think it's better for this for the society at large that way uh well thank you so much for your experience Thank you. Thank you.